Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Live Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening, where we are set to continue our reflections into what intercessory prayer looks like. Again, each and every Friday, uh, we engage this topic of holy desire. I have selected to be more specific with this general theme of holy desire by going into how we are called to intercede for one another. Certainly, could we not say that uh, when someone asks us, can you pray for me, that this is a matter of desire, a holy desire, right? So we are taking up this question from one week to the next, focusing in on certain keys. The first few weeks, I took up what those 12 keys look like in soundbite form, and out from that, I've decided to look at those keys closer this week and probably next week we are going to be taking a closer look at what it means to pray in the Spirit. Last week, we examined the first intercessory key, pray in faith. This week, we are going to look at our second intercessory key, pray in the Spirit, that all good intercessory prayer must always begin with a prayer in the Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, my friends, initiates the movement of God in our heart. The Holy Spirit has, we could say, the leading role in the drama that unfolds in our listen and response relationship with God, as it is the Holy Spirit who awakens within us a desire for God. And what do we read in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27? A verse I've already touched upon. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There it is. So we first pray in the Spirit because, well, what did Paul just say? We do not know how to pray as we ought. Now, this might be difficult for us to hear, being told that we don't know how to pray, right? But what did we say about faith last week? Faith is first a gift before it is an act, something given to us independent of our own doing. If we do not have the gift of the Holy Spirit, then quite simply, my friends, we cannot pray as we ought for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And is that not our quest to better understand what our intercessory prayer looks like when we get asked that question, can you pray for me? All right, so what about Christ as we are talking about this? Isn't he the model of this groaning prayer? When healing the deaf man with a speech impediment, Christ looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, right, with a deep sigh, prayed, Ephatha, that is, be opened. When Christ sighed, my friends, he prayed. Now, often we push ourselves athletically. And when we do, we 
dig deep with sighs and groans. Brothers and sisters, God asks us to dig deep into the interior life and pray with sighs and groans. So let us be open to the Holy Spirit, the protagonist we can call him of the spiritual life, and sigh, I dare say, for those who ask us to pray for them. You know, just by way of story, I still recall my first class at the Franciscan University of Steubenville on prayer. I recall after an exploration into the Greek text of Romans chapter 8, my professor uh, shifted gears to an experience he had while praying in the company of John Paul II, and he, he said something like this, It was early in the morning, and I was invited to pray in the presence of the Holy Father. As I entered into that space of prayer, I found myself just yards away from His Holiness. Boy, that must have been an experience, right? (laughs) He continued, Initially, it sounded as if He was snoring. As seconds turned into minutes, it dawned on me. He was not falling asleep on God, but praying in God, in the Holy Spirit. He wasn't snoring, but grunting, moaning, sighing. I suppose my professor said the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to sigh too deep for words. This story and what that professor said years ago has always stayed with me, my friends, because of its teaching point that the Holy Spirit inspires. And as the Holy Spirit inspires, the Holy Spirit brings us into the presence of God. In point of fact, In Pope John Paul II's own words, he taught that man achieves the fullness of prayer not when he expresses himself, but when he lets God be most fully present in prayer. I love that. I'll say that again. Man achieves the fullness of prayer not when he expresses himself, but when he lets God be most fully present in prayer. That is to say, my friends, what Pope John Paul II wanted us to see is that when we invite the Holy Spirit into our prayer, we are inviting the presence of God in our prayer, and that's when prayer starts. You see, the Holy Spirit is the central person in our intercessory prayer. You know, there are many verses in the Gospel of John that have taken my breath away, but very few like that of John chapter 3, verses 34 to 35 where we read, For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for it is not by measure that he gives the Spirit. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Here, my friends, Jesus is letting us know that he does not portion out his Spirit, but he gives all of it to everyone. If you are anything like me, Right, someone who likes to portion out his time, money, uh, money, etc. These words from Christ that remind us that that the gift of the Holy Spirit withholds nothing have me asking a pretty important question: What does it mean to speak of the Holy Spirit as a gift? The gift that we also call the gift of the divine indwelling. I mean, if we are going to pray in the Spirit, this is a, is a pretty important question to ask, right? First, we should say something about its Latin construct and its practical significance. 
You know, the Latin phrase, as we speak to it, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is known as a genitive of identity as opposed to a genitive of possession. What does that mean? Why does that matter? Well, typically, we use genitives to speak of possession, right? For example, we possess our car, we possess our home, and so on. But you see, my friends, we don't possess God in this way. We are not given a gift to possess in the gift of the Holy Spirit, as opposed to the gift we give away. Because the gift we have received in the Holy Spirit is the gift of selfless love, which is the gift of God's very identity. Here we might reflect upon the essence of what we mean to speak of when we talk about the Trinity. The Trinity is love. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the perfect eternal exchange of distinct mutual love. We could say then that the Trinity is love given in the Father, love received in the Son, and love shared in the Holy Spirit. Love given, love received, love shared. That should make sense to us because any authentic expression of love, of a communion of love, has what? Love given, love received, love shared. Now, Christ's death on the cross, could we not say, is a manifestation of what this shared divine love looks like, of what this selflessness looks like? This is why we can never possess God, per se. The moment we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit within us is the moment we are called to give it away in selfless love. This is the operation of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is selfless love. My friends, the divine logic of love is the great paradox of our faith, is it not? What do I mean by that? Well, you want more love? Then give more love in sacrificial acts. We empty what we have received that God might fill again. Here we might say that the Christian walk is a walk in the mathematics of God, where subtraction equals addition, loss equals profit, death equals life. I turn to the cross, and we ought to turn to the cross to better understand this profound insight into the relationship of the Trinity, because what is revealed in the cross is a kind of spiritual physics, if you will. Because the spiritual physics of the cross teaches us that when we are down to nothing, God is always up to something. So as we apply this to our second intercessory, intercessory key, we are presented uh, with a particular challenge. We cannot give what we do not have. How can we possibly pray for someone in the Spirit if we are not abiding in the Spirit? Can the estranged son speak about his father's desires? No. No. For this reason, Jesus commences his great Sermon on the Mount with a word on life in the Spirit, right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. A truth that tells us, teaches us that God desires that we long for the Spirit the same way our lungs long for air. Because God desires, my friends, we desire God as much as God desires us. This truth is quintessential to the way of the spiritual life 
because it is the way that ultimately desires to intercede for one another at every opportunity in every way. In the light of this truth on desire, we are reminded of something else, that our ministry, that our interceding in the Spirit is a ministry of the first beatitude. What do I mean there? Well, consider the word poverty is derived from a Latin word that means to be without. The person who asks us to pray for something or someone recognizes that someone is without something or someone. Right? Do you follow? Whether that be the person requesting the prayer or simply the request to pray for another. Let me say that again. The person who asks us to pray for something or someone recognizes that someone is without something or someone. So the request then for intercessory prayer is a request out of some distinct poverty, the without, if you will. What's more, if we receive each request for prayer in the mode of the first beatitude, as one who was poor in the Spirit, right? Then interceding in the Spirit is, we could say, a mutual gift of the first beatitude. The one who was poor praying for the one who was poor. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is it that poverty can minister to poverty? This, my friends, is what God desires. What did he tell us in Matthew chapter 25, verses 40 and following? When you feed the hungry, when you shelter the homeless, when you give drink to the thirsty, you do it unto who? Me. And could we not also say, that if we are ministering to Christ in the poor, that Christ also ministers back to us? Again, this is the spiritual physics of intercessory prayer. So this evening's reflection really has us focusing in on the importance of our disposition, being ready and willing to intercede in the Spirit when we are asked the question, can you pray for me? We can talk about a lot of things, and we will, about how to better intercede in prayer. But brothers and sisters, be assured of this. If we are not disposed to pray as we ought in our intercession, as Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27 reminds us, then in the end, all the other stuff, it doesn't really matter. So let us invoke the presence of the Holy Spirit in our intercessory prayer, and our intercessory prayer will be well on its way to being what it needs to be, the best kind of intercessory prayer. Amen? Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.